Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I think we're set. And this is the beginning of week six of using databases in education. We're just going to have a wonderful time this, this week. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to start out, and each of you has the opportunity to share what you created. I'd like you to bring it on up and, and set it up on the computer if you could. We'll open up some access here. Who wants to go first? Okay. Andy will go first. And actually, you know, as far as setting it up, it probably work faster if you just brought it up here, stuck it in, and then double clicked on it, it would open things right up. Not that that's something we like to see people do, but it'd be the fastest way to open up access. Yeah. Or co copy the USB on, on the desktop. All the rules. That's true. We don't want to break them all. And so what we will do is I'm going to pass the, the microphone over to you as well so that we can keep this going and let all, those, uh, all the folks out there, Sandy and, and Kathy, uh, know, know what's happening and, and see what they're doing. Um, and then what we're going to do is after, after we preview or, or see the, uh, the databases that you created, we're going to go in and we're going to start working on the book that we're reading, and that's that green book that is entitled Using Data to Improve Student Learning. Did anybody get a chance to read it? Or is it, you know, this is the first time we're going through here, is, is it not a good idea to assign chapter two, the first the first chapter of a book, the same week that you're doing your, your databases, finishing up your database. What do you think? Maybe, maybe that's not a good idea. Okay, well, <laughs> everyone's shaking here saying, "Well, I didn't get it read." So, but it's going to be real important that we go through this because this is this is the beginning of the uh, the whole process we're going to be using for database. And here you go, sir. Okay. Put that. I will put it on your lapel here. Thank you, sir. And there we go. And I'm going to keep an eye on it because last time, yeah, just keep speaking because yours didn't get, get taped last yeah. time, unfortunately. So now it's okay. Now speaking. Okay, uh, I did my uh, personal database over uh, standards, and in particular, uh, in the larger picture, standards for uh, portfolio uh, creation, specifically. Uh, teaching portfolios, but then yet it's not just the way I have it set up. You can use these standards for all methods of way. Um, this is my table with a standard ID, an origin, which speaks to uh, where does it come from? Does it come from a committee? Does it come from a state? And what is its purpose? Is it a content standard? Is it a teaching standard? So these two fields uh, do that. Then it gives a number um, for what standard it is, then a definition for that, a checkbox for whether it has been met, then specific criteria underneath that standard. And then with the definition for the criteria, a checkbox for whether the criteria has been met, and then a possible source for where you got it. Because in the past, uh, especially with the EPTP project, uh, depending upon where one gets their standards, you know, determine what standards they actually get. So, Putting that in there is kind of a secondary check for that. Uh, some of the problems I ran into with this, you can see that there are multiple entries or multiple numbers, let's say just in this example for number 
one. I tried to get around this, but I couldn't because I needed to meet each criteria underneath that standard. And the way I had set my fields up, I was locked into continue putting the same origin down, the same purpose down, the same standard number down, same definition even, and having to have to check all these boxes. So it was a little redundant depending upon the number of criteria. And that is one thing that I look at change, but so the, the record is really for the the criteria. For the criteria, yeah. It's for the criteria, not not the uh, standard. Yeah, and that's the way it ended up. And it was it's cumbersome this way, but it does have its advantages when it gets into the forms, as we will see. And that's the one aspect that I really didn't like about what was going on so far. But with the queries, I created ten. Uh, two of them serve a report purpose, and then uh, eight of them are more for. Uh, just personally, it's like standard one, two criteria. It's just a simple breakdown where you can see the origin, the purpose, the number, the criteria, and now it's easier to see the full definition for a criteria. So it's more of an ease of use type of a query. And I went and in the design feature, because you can put multiple standards into this for different states, different uh, committees, different purposes all together, I sorted this one out for Iowa with an ascending order, and then you can see a standard one criteria, so I did that eight times. So you can see it is kind of, kind of cumbersome. Forms, this is the thing that I really, really like. Actually, I spent more time looking for uh, three filler artifacts, reflections, <laughs> standards. I spent more time looking for this picture than I, I should have, but um, you can input standards in here as well. You have the same field as far as origin purpose, ID, definition. But what's nice about this is with that redundancy that I showed you in the table, you can scroll down and you can notice that the indicator changes, the definition for the indicator changes, but that standard definition stays there. So that's what ended up working out nice for it is you can see the different criteria down here move that standard staying the same. Then also, if you are just focused on the standards, you can see whether you've met this standard and checkbox criteria. Like that. So that, that was kind of Now, it says that the standard was met. Mm -hmm. Is there any reason to check any of the criteria? It depends on how in-depth one wants to go with their portfolio, what their requirements are. They have it where it's you're just aligned to the standard itself, then with, with what we've worked on in the past, we go down to the criteria. So it is a, dependent upon the requirement of the school district or the way that it's set up. So if they were just doing the standard, the criteria met would be useless? It could be, yeah. Okay. So that's the form. And then the reports, this required a little, little creativity on my part because I didn't know what, uh, what one can do with numbers for standards, because they're not calculation numbers per se, they're text numbers, they signify, they categorize, they organize information. So um, one is, and this turned out to be pretty, pretty interesting, was it was just a simple breakdown of the criteria, and now your last question, this would be worthless to those people who don't have to go down to the criteria, but for those who do, you can get a quick shot 
at how many criteria are there for each standard, and then how many total criteria are there for this whole set of standards for Iowa. So you can look at the relationship. There's seven criteria you have to meet for standard one out of 42. So it's a quick shot to see how, how much work you have. And if that's one report. And the other one, again, this is reveals some of the cumbersome nature of this. It's a breakdown of, you can print this off after you've inputted some different things. Show you what standard you have met, depending upon the origin and whether you have the criteria. So it would just be a quick thing you print off. It's two pages long, and it just shows you the quick checkbox form what you have met so far. Those are the two reports, my forms and my table and query. Any other questions? Special anybody liked about it? I like your forms to know. I did too. I, I, I think if it's, this becomes more uh, bigger as far as when the reflections and the artifacts begin to get integrated, I can see this being pretty easy. Really. I, I can see you just never even open up the, the, the flat database, just look at the forms. That was my hope. <laughs> Stay away from that because it can be, it was mind numbing, copy, pasty, typing, all that stuff in there. So. And then when I got to the form and I saw it laid out like this, hey, this is something that people can use. So I did like the form. Anything else anybody like? I'd use it, to be honest with you. I don't think it's how you get some of these Because, I mean, the only thing that, I mean, the question I had though is how would you type criteria artifacts into it? Well, that would require a, a separate table with a link to a, a, a file or something. That is, uh, well, you, you can OL, you can hyperlink to artifacts to access. Again, it was the question that you raised a couple weeks ago about well, if you have electronic, you have to scan or digitize your artifacts somehow. So that's why they call it a digital, a yeah. digital portfolio. And for some, that's a limitation, and for others, that's something. Yeah, one who's the limitation. They're so so nineties. Yeah, so so few <laughs> and far between. So nineties. It'd be cool to make a you know a whole web page of all your artifacts and just hyperlink them to that web page. But what it's going to eventually turn out to be is that the artifacts are going to be the organizational system for it, and these standards are going to kind of be in the background. So you could actually make it so that you have a special record for the artifacts, and the artifact itself would be a, a, an object mm -hmm. that's going to be in there. Like, like a photograph or a, a PDF file or whatever would just simply be that piece. I like the idea of being able to put in multiple sets of standards into here. There's an interesting question raised from the master's meeting where you have to use Iowa teaching standards as well as the ESA standards. Mm -hmm. And so it would be nice if you didn't have to you just put all the standards in there and then pull them up as you wanted to, depending upon your artifact. So, so, so you're thinking you might use this to organize your portfolio. I'm thinking about it. I yeah. mean, if it could be, that would be very interesting. If I could get it to work, I mean, it's still working in leaps and bounds right now. You know, the devil's in the details, so I'm completely sure how it'll all work yet. But Quite interesting. You should be able to put in as many standards as you want to. Sure. Unless you see what happens. But the only limitation is the size of your hard drive, right? Good job. Okay, who would like to go second?
in a second. Okay. I'm going to go up and pass off the, uh, the microphone so that we make sure that everything keeps running. And yes, we looks like we still have things moving along. That's good. Okay. And so that was a, an interesting experiment in using databases to organize a portfolio. Now what we're going to do is Rob is going to show us his experiment. First of all, I'm standing on his head to put the USB drive into the computer, which in itself is a, is a task. Yes. Sounds like it just came in. And then, I don't think that's it. Give, give it a second. Now oh, I found it. Okay. Sorry. And so, oh, there goes. His flash just showed up. And he's going to show us how he's going to organize over 300 students <laughs> using his database. I hope, I hope there's no liability. It's one big loss to give him his class. <laughs> okay, sir. Here, we'll take this. You got a pocket? Yeah. Okay, great. Okay, so my, so my activity again is uh, organizing all the kids on these different activities. And uh, the goal of my database is to keep it as simple as possible so that I can print reports and make it so easy that any grader will know when they look at the report what they're doing. And so the ease and the understandability is the most important thing. So the table that I made, the first one, student info. <coughs> and so the first IDD, ID is, of course, the auto number. And for some reason, when I exported all or imported all of my Excel, they put a space between each one. And so I just sorted it and then deleted those. So everything's even, so don't let that confuse you too much. The first uh, field is grade, the next one is name. And uh, I did not enter all these names. I exported them from our power school and, and put them in Excel and then imported Excel into the access. So I didn't have to enter all those names. And that explains why some has middle names and some have one. Uh, next one is gender, next one is homeroom, and that's important because we're going to be ex um, giving all this information out to their homeroom teacher. So it was important that we'd be able to sort it according to Walmart also. Um, student ID, um, the office uses student ID to identify kids in the, in the school database, power school. So I wanted to include this in here for the secretary. And then the morning and afternoon, those are the little uh, classes they can take. And there's quite a variety of them. And I tried to make it simple for me instead of doing it, so I made them as pull-down menus. So you can just scroll down and find that class. It's really simple. And then the next one is prior particip uh, participation in the activity. Our goal is to expose the kid to a new activity, and so I want them to enter tell me whether or not they did it in the past. And what I'm saying is whether they do it for fun or if they did it during many courses in the past. Um, because um, we, when we get these number of kids, there's always a huge number that want to do the really fun things, but then we try to skew them and sometimes replace them creatively, creatively in other activities so we expose them to different ones. So, um, and of course, here's the afternoon. So sometimes you intentionally give them stuff that they didn't want. Well, we, the way we've done in the past is they sign. They have to sign up for um, every time morning and afternoon. They have to sign up for two physical activities and two non-physical ones. And we try to give them their first choice, their second choice, and sometimes they get their second choice more than not likely just because they maybe have done that activity two or three years in a row. So, and if, they, if we know they go fishing every week with their dad, we try to stick to something they normally don't do. So, Can you put them uh, in Taekwondo? Taekwondo, yeah, sure. 
know, the power of being a teacher, I guess. So. Um, the next one is uh, the medical concerns. And what I did is I, these are these are made up. I didn't even go through and find out if these are true or not, but I wanted to be able to show you how they work. Uh, this was the biggest headache last year because about two weeks prior to the, to the um, mini courses, the nurse comes to me and she says, oh, I need a list of all the kids and where they're going to be at who have medical concerns. Well, that's okay because I have all my eighth graders written down in my grade book, but I don't know the sixth and seventh grade, nor can I access that information on power school. So I have no clue what these, what these kids' problems are. And so what I had to do was basically enter power school through another teacher's username and look up individual kids, and it was just a headache. Didn't the nurse have that capability? Yeah, but she doesn't do those things. That's not her job. That's a whole other thing of ones. But um, <laughs> so uh, I, and of course, me being me, I, um, I, I want to make sure that she knows where her kids are, and I don't want to deal with the kid who's having a medical, uh, medical emergency. So I wanted to make sure that she knew where her kids are and what they were doing and where they're at. So we got those, and I put those in the pull-down menu too. So you can see, that, and these are the most common ones. There are some strange ones. Like see nurse emergency plan, we have some kids with unique medical concerns and um, they actually have a plan already written out in case something happens to them. So maybe I have a student with Tourette's syndrome. If he has seizures and has other things go along with different medical problems he has, we already have a plan set up. So the thing about this and that she's really particular about this, this is all confidential. No one except teachers and staff can know anything about this. So I want to be able to print a report off and make it that is just about medical concerns. Good. And then the last one is paid or not paid. And uh, the teachers collect money. And it's crazy because some kids pay right away, some don't pay at all. They never pay, and I want to be able to make sure I keep track of that well so I can um, dip into the amount of money to get back for kids who can't afford it. What if somebody pays 20 bucks out of a $30 bill? I haven't, you know, I. What we've normally done is just take change of whatever money we have and give back to them. But it would be kind of nice to keep track of that. Just because, and you know, keep track of when they when they paid or who they paid. Because um, the secretary won't handle any of that anymore. And so I collected money for 8th grade and their teacher collected money for 7th and 6th. So it would be nice to, to train the, the other two teachers to collect money and how to enter data too so that they can keep track of those so you have a secretary who doesn't deal with money and, and a nurse, nurse who doesn't deal with debt. Yeah. Okay. Uh, our secretary, she's a wonderful person and she'll deal with as much data as she can, but um, when I started there two, three years ago, we had three secretaries. Now we're down to one because of budget concerns. So now she is like the queen of the school and she's busy. <laughs> so um, there's my first table. And I thought about adding students. Uh, kids numbers, but I don't have to ever call them. It would be something that if something would happen, I would contact the office first, and so I let them contact the parent. So they have all that too, already in power school. Um, queries, the one I made was for medical concerns, and I sorted them according to the, the most serious ones at the very beginning. And these are the kids who we want to know where they're at because this is a life threatening deal with most of them. Um, and I also, I also want to put in there some way a lot of activities that these kids can't do. I don't know how I'm going to do that. Maybe I guess I haven't figured that one out. But I don't want to say, okay, you can go out for arch or go out for biking when there's severe asthma. I don't. I want to somehow kind of eliminate that choice. Maybe they won't even know it was one of them. How do you know that which one's the most uh, the most serious? Because they all have emergency plans. 
so these are the ones at the very beginning of the year she'll type up the ones that have some type of condition where we don't even deal with them we just automatically call them into but you said that you ordered you, you put them in, in order of most urgent first and i just assume that everybody with an emergency plan is my most urgent but they're in alphabetical no they're not how, how did i identify it as which is most urgent you sorted right yeah okay what did you sort them? oh i sorted according to descending order and some <laughs> and I cheated <laughs> so I made it just with that C nurses and it just came out that way I know but the very last one was an inhaler which should be before B yeah I guess I need to revisit the sorting technique do you have um, anybody have any suggestions for him as to what he might do as far as Urgency and things like that. I get I get sorted according to like the word nurse, I guess. Put all those that contain the word nurse and emergency plan to come up. Okay. Any other suggestions? Hello, I'm not recording. Oh yeah, yeah. How about um, an additional field? This is you know where, where you put nines medical alert or or you preface it with a, a digit. Six, six would be C, five would be new meds. Well, new meds probably well could or could not be. Yeah, it's a hard it's a hard field to organize. But you know you could you could give them a number of one to ten and ten being severe. I don't know. I I just want to like if when I print a report out for a teacher. Let's say that it's an eighth grader and they teach, you know, teach sixth grade. They don't really know the eighth grader very well. You know, I would hope that they would see see the nurse for a nurse point and be able to go down to the nurse and say, "Hey, this is my kid. I have some knee courses. What's up with him?" Right. And get the plan. So, anyway, I mean, it, in all honesty, if I started putting a category for all the different illnesses and different things, I would have a full menu of like forty of them. So, and actually, I don't know if I can be that specific and share that information on. Um, forms, this is their entry form, and it's still a little logo off our web page, which is kind of ugly, to be honest with you. <laughs> I looked at your rubric and it said, uh, you know, uh, well-placed, or I don't know how the wording was, but uh, I tried to place it well, but it, it's ugly. Um, yeah, we're Charlie you can't read it very well, can you? No, but I made an attempt. Uh, so what they do here is the kids can scroll through and find their name, and all they have to do is pull up what activity they want to do in the morning, what activity they want to do in the afternoon, and then check the box where they've done it before. And of course, I can put all the other kinds of things on here, but I just want to make it simple if they can. Now, the one concern I do have is that I know that some kids are going to scroll through, through and find somebody's name and then change it, mess with it, put them in hair care and cheerleaders. That's a big stud on campus. So I don't know how about I don't know how I'm going to do that. Right now, my theory is I'm using Andy's idea about putting it on one notebook computer, giving it, you know, having the kids enter it during my class. So, like, you know, do it in an open lesson and say, when you have time, each of you, you know, all the boys go back and enter mini courses and they give it to a sound free teacher. So I might have to supervise it, but I don't know. Quite yeah. Reports. Here's the report that I 
made for the kids to hang up on a wall. And so I got the name. They're great. Their homeroom and just their morning and afternoon activities. Now I can make, you know, the reports are the key to this. And I want to be able to produce reports, reports to the nurse, reports to the principal, reports to the individual teachers. And so all I got to do is just basically sort those or create queries that source that information for me so I can make a report for that. And right now I have, uh, how many pages? 14 pages, I think. That's a serious report. Yeah, well. Generate something that would 
be a useful query. It's not just right. one right. to do, you know. Well, okay. well, my impression would be that if you, if you just add one flat database, you wouldn't use queries very much because you could just sort it according to whatever right. you want. Right, you're not going to use queries too much, although, you know, I mean, you could sort it, but what if you want to just filter? Yeah. As a quote, as a query, you could filter it so all you see are the, the kids that are going to archery. Yeah. I mean, you could conceivably come up with those reports you're looking for based upon terrible queries, right? Yeah. Okay. Here you go, ma'am. I'll let you put it on, on yourself. I put it right up here to, on, on your... Right there, yeah. Because then it gets the resonance of your, your voice box and all. Take that in your pocket or something. Or hold it. Okay, Kelly Crow, tell us what you have. Well, I'm doing kind of a product inventory for my mom's coffee shop. Um, and I talked to her and asked her kind of what she was doing, and she said she was doing it all by hand. Oh, so this is just a much better way for her to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's that. So. And start off, I just put kind of an automatic ID number because I didn't really have one um, right away. And then I just put the product name and how much we had in stock. The date the shipment came in, my mom said that she wanted to know like when the product expired so she would know when to reorder. Um, what we what we get it for, what we sell it for, and how much profit we make, and when the number sold. Um, and then whether or not it would be refrigerated or not. Um, so my problem with this that I kind of started running into was like, if I do all of inventory, which would be like the beans, the espresso beans, the decaf espresso beans, the regular coffee beans, where we get those from, we have the syrups, you know, we sell smoothies, so there's all these different fruits that go into it that are come individually that we make as a packet that we put in smoothies. So it would kind of be, for this one, I just kind of kept it simple for like what, like the cookies and like that type of stuff that we sold, not the mixed things, because I just, as you kind of, a lot because then it's like well we have different sizes and we make the caramel latte you know or we have this other type of drink and then if we get into like how much we make on a drink you know it kind of would get really I mean it could work but for this one I expected so the, the goal of this one is to deal with product not ingredients but product yeah more just like those type of things what like, you're selling yeah like okay. we do sell milk and then we sell like different cakes and cookies and brownies and muffins and bread and Soup and sandwich and all that type of stuff and drinks and stuff. So I just kind of kept track of that stuff for this purpose. Um, so yeah, so that's my table. My query just has um, uh, just all the different um, products and then what we sell for, how much we uh, or what we sell for. So what did you query on? Well, I didn't notice things. They didn't really specifically group out anything. I just kind of did the thing. I just kind of did it. I was like looking at it. I kept thinking of like profit and like showing profit. <laughs> That's the whole thing like got this whole thing. So I'd probably do it a little differently where I could like select just like the muffins and the bread and query that. And so that would be a type of group, like a type of food. Right. It could be like lunches. Like, like, so the soups and the chips and the sandwiches could all be used in the one and that. So I didn't actually do that, but I'm looking at it now. 
So, um, and one thing I had for that is because, you know, like the name was really basic. I didn't think you could have, you're sharing something on the form, but the only report still rolling. Yep. We're at 35 minutes. That's good. <coughs> what do you mean you're dying over here? Oh, you wake up. Okay. Because you pound yourself on the head. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, it sounds like maybe we need to have an early break. Would <laughs> that help you out? Okay. So, so your, your mom liked the idea of doing this, huh? Yeah, she did, because she's been doing it by hand. I'm like, mom, <laughs> you can even do, like, you know, Excel or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's really easy, too. Not before enough reports that she still fills it in by hand. Right, yeah. and then you know there's a problem. She, it, is not. she a, a techno-phobe? That's what I'll come home and even my grandpa, he loves technology. He's like, I was just home and fixing my computer program. I'm like, computer, it's not working. I'm like, I don't know. And what was the problem with the one that isn't working? Something about the network or something. And I'm like, I just got rid of my area. I don't know. No, we want to, yeah, I can help you if you want to know how to teach somebody using technology. Yeah, I'm like, you want to make a portfolio, I can help you with it. Okay, you're going to open this up or <laughs> 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 There you go. Okay, so now Yaomi has his, he's opening his up and he's doing his uh, the language laboratory. And let's take this, I'm going to place it right here for you, okay? And then put either carry that or, I find that it, it falls if you stick it in your pocket. You might want to just carry it here. <laughs> I'll sit over here. Good idea. Yaomi, yeah. Oh, he did. Is that why you're wearing a hat? Yes, it is. That looks good. That looks good. Yeah, you know, actually, it is, it is a sign of respect to take your hat off inside, isn't it? That's yeah. You have hair on top. Yeah, it's all over. <laughs> uh, well, I'm doing uh, this uh, language laboratory in language center of my university, and most of the data that I collected. Uh, I took from internet and the book that I brought from my country. Uh, actually, looking at this table, um, my work is dealing with uh, relational database, but in this kind of assignment, we have to design or create flat database. Because uh, I created three kind of tables. The first one is course. The second one is dealing with the language laboratory, and the third one is the teacher. This is the table that I created. Um, but the name of the course is very important to answer about the people's questions about the course that uh, implement into the language laboratory. There are only two courses, English and Arabic. And it's, the courses has uh, its code and each course has uh, many level. English consists of uh, four levels, English elementary one, elementary two, and intermediate and advanced. And Arabic consists of elementary, intermediate, and advanced. So uh, this consideration was taken because uh, comparing about the students coming to the lab, uh, the students from 
the students who would like to take English course is more than those who want to take Arabic course. It is because of uh, not many instructors or, or teachers in the language laboratory graduated from Middle East or in the country that uh, speaking Arabic. Uh, I put also the amount of the students, so there is a level uh, which is has which has uh, 15 students, and it is the big class in this uh, course. Actually, the lab is designed for 20 until 40, but considering about the limitation of the teacher, so the teacher should. One teacher consists of 10 or uh, 15 students. Uh, this is the name of the teacher and the faculty, and also uh, the time, date, and time and place. This is the first table. The second one is ideas. Let's just stay with one table. Okay. That's all, all over the side. Okay. Because we just want to see the one that has the, um, the forms and the reports and stuff. So, the teacher only teach one course or one, one course in one level. So, in this table, no uh, no one teacher would teach more than one course or one level. And then uh, there are five faculties in this in that university: the faculty of education, the faculty of law, the faculty of letter, the faculty of communication, and the faculty of religion. And we, we would consider faculty a department. Um, I I didn't put department right here because uh, the background of the students. We just see uh, based on the faculty. I understand. I'm just translating. No, words, here, the, the, here in the U.S. is the co or is it the College of Education? Yes. It's college. The college. Okay. The same so, of the college. So what you're calling faculty, we would call college. Yes. Because we have a college of, of education, a college of letters, a college yeah, of everything. Yeah, that's right. Okay, got it. And then, it's important to set up the time, because uh, the time and the day and the time. Because uh, the very productive time, the productive day is uh, Monday until Thursday. So Friday, yeah, not many people come there. So, if there are many classes come into the lab, the schedule should be full for the whole of the, of the day. So, from morning, from 8 o'clock, yeah. it's different from uh, in the United States. Most of the class start at 9 o'clock, I think. So, in my country, many classes start at 6 or 7 o'clock. 
Really? <laughs> yes. And go until the normal time? I mean, the, the normal time is 7 o'clock. They start at 7 and they go until 7? Uh, sometimes go until 9 o'clock. Well, but yes. you, got, you guys take a two-hour break in the middle of the day, though. Yes. So in the midday, like uh, 12 o'clock until 1 o'clock, we take a break. But it's longer than that. You go to the mosque? Yes. So it's, what time do you go to the mosque? Uh, like uh, the mark is like 12.30 until 1 o'clock. So the class starts again at, uh, at 2 o'clock. Okay. So let, could we see your queries and your reports? Uh, I just uh, Short is very based on the teachers who teach listening, but uh, I made also another query, like course query. So this is um, the query consists of uh, level, student amount, subject, teacher, faculty of, and uh, day, including the time. So I use this uh, kind because uh, to see more about the, the name of the course English and Arabic. If I just uh, short based on the teacher, the, te the teacher who teach uh, speaking, for example, just come up like uh, three or four teachers. So like what I did uh, before is uh, short based on the, uh, if, you, if you want to find out uh, how many teachers who teach uh, speaking, how many teachers who teach uh, grammar, how many teachers who teach uh, uh, reading or writing. So you can start based on the, those uh, kind of uh, level. But here I start based on the, uh, the name of the course. Arabic and English. So it, it come up together the course under the Arabic and English. It's simple things. And then the form. Uh, I chose this one because uh, this this guy is a very well known in the university, and most of the students come to the lab, language laboratory ask about this guy. This is uh, Dr. Azar. Is Dr. Azar uh, teaching advanced level or intermediate level? Everybody would like to uh, get this this guy. So I put here because uh, when the students ask, here he is. He is teaching in this level. He is teaching in this. Um, he is teaching elementary level or advanced level, for example. So when I find out the 
member of the is teaching Arabic and is teaching in very difficult level. So no more teacher can teach in this level except this this guy. So this guy is, uh, has uh, two degrees, Arabic and English, directly. So he got a uh, doctoral degree for Arabic, teaching of Arabic and teaching of English. That photograph, is that, is that, does that only show up on his record? Or does that show up on all records? Uh, can, uh, can show all records. So then I... I mean that. Okay, so now here, here you've got different teachers, but his picture is still up there. Yes, because uh, it is the symbol of this language laboratory. So the trademark is this guy. <laughs> so, so it's not called the Azar Arsia Laboratory or anything like that? No, or this IBM, no. Okay. So. It is, I think, uh, the, that is the problem of uh, my country for the whole. So we, we always find out the, the expert. Even the president, for example, the president is not because of his uh, capability or, or his ability, but because of he has many people under him. So. Consequently, the country can be uh, cannot be led very well because of uh, lack of ability or uh, okay. capability. So it's not so what you know; it's who you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Hey, well, so, so, what would you like about his database? this on pause. So right now, okay, it's got, so right now it is, it's working very well. Okay. Um, so here we are again, and what I've given you now is I gave you a, an Excel database that you opened up, and it's pretty huge, isn't it? I wonder what it is. 
Well, we're going to be getting into pivot tables and things like that a little bit later. Uh, right now, I mean, in fact, when you see what a pivot table is, you will be so amazed. But for right now, that's not what we, what we need to do. What I want you to do is that uh, you'll notice that <coughs> down here at the bottom are a number of different worksheets. And if we click on the master one, uh, what I want you to do is I want you to spend some time. Here's your hat back. I want you to spend some time reviewing the master worksheet. Just spend spend a minute or two, just, just kind of looking. And I want you to look at all of the data headings. I want you to take a look at the grades. I, I just want you to review the whole master sheet. Okay? Spend a little bit of time doing that. I must admit that I'm not sure what NGD stands for. NPR, National Public Radio. Yeah, NPR, that's IPR. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now you've had an opportunity to review the um, uh, the data sheet that had over 11,000 records on it. Uh, well, it's over 11,000 records. I mean, actually, if you, if you scroll down here, uh, we get down there, it goes, and we got the purple intermediate, carrot high, and red intermediate. And we get down here to the bottom, it's, what, 11,307 records. So we have all of this data, which is just an amazing amount. I just happened to bump into somebody who happened to have that information. Um, so we have this incredible amount of data, and like we talked about earlier in this session, or in this class, you get all this data, you just get overwhelmed. I mean, if, if you take a look at it, the columns go out to AN, which is the days absent. So AN is about 40 columns out. So if you want to take 11,000, multiply it by 40, we end up with what four, over 400,000 cells. That's a lot of data. So I want you to analyze it. <laughs> there you go. Oh, yeah, right. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it easier for you. If, you. if you notice down here, it says alpha elem. Alpha elem is the alpha elementary. And what I did is I already created that in such a way so that I sorted out, actually, I, I sorted out, so all you have is just 200 records. And I'm doing that. I mean, you're not going to be doing a lot of analysis. 290 records. But what you're going to do is, I, I just didn't want you to be overwhelmed with the 11,000. But I wanted you to see, I mean, think about 11,000 students. Let's see, that could be a small school district or an average size school district. How big is your school district, Rob? On total, um, we average 140 kids per grade. You have 140 kids per grade for 12 grades. So it's about 1,600 kids, okay? But the one I thought in Colorado, this could, this could be that they graduated. Okay, they, they had 1,100 kids per grade, and so that'd be 14,000 students, right? That's just one high school, we had eight high schools. Okay, oh, now just high schools. Yeah, okay. He's going to have a large well, <laughs> and I, I used to teach in a, in a school district in Southern California by East LA that had 32,000 students. And so, you know, that this is the kind of data that we deal with. Waterloo, I think, has 11,000. 11,000 in Waterloo. Okay, so there's a lot of data that we deal with. Now, here's what I want you to do is um, I have two different things, and actually I should be writing this up so you'll know what to do. Okay, I've numbered you, 
and and what I want you to do is I want you to take a look at it and there we go and I almost spelled it all right too okay the people who are number one what I want you to do is I want you to take a look at the reading comprehension scores the NSS reading comprehension scores the people that are number two I want you to take a look at the math total scores so in other words in both of those cases I think you'll notice that the reading comprehension scores oh there it is no there it is we take a look here uh, reading comprehension scores for NSS is no it's NGE I'm sorry did I put NSS it should be NGE reading comprehension and NGE math total these are, are the grade levels so in other words here we have a student who's in third grade and they're reading at the 2.1 level anybody know what 2.1 means? second grade second grade one month exactly 2.5 to second grade five months and it just so happens that there's 10 months in the year so, <laughs> so that works so what I want you to do is I just want you to eyeball it. You can fiddle with it all you want. Um, I guess I probably should have had four different versions of it. In fact, I'll come around and do that if you want. But I want you to spend just a few minutes looking at the data. And like I said, if you are a number one, I want you looking at the reading data. And if you're number two, I want you to look at the math data. Okay, so right now you are going through the data, and these are the questions I want you to think of on your own, okay? Please look up on the screen. You'll see that I have four questions. What do the data tell us? Now please remember, what do the data tell us seems like a strange way to put it, but data is plural. Datum is singular, but we won't get picky on that. But if you, if we, if you find me looking at data as being plural, that's what it is. So I want you to take a look based upon the things that you have is that you're going to identify what the, what is the data and what I mean what does the data tell us what stands out is there anything that jumps out at you that's happening at this school what are the patterns do you see any patterns 
and what questions do you have? Now, the way we're, we're going to run this is I'm going to ha I want you to sit down and I want you to answer this stuff on your own. And then what's going to happen is we're going to right now what you're in is you're in a homogeneous group right now. I mean heterogeneous because you have a one and a two, and you're examining different data. So I want you to look at it individually, and then after you've answered those questions, we're going to move into we're going to swap groups. So the twos are going to sit down and talk about it, and the ones are going to sit down and talk about that. And then later on, we're going to come back, and you're going to go back to your home group, which is what you're at now, which is the home group, and you're going to discuss interrelationships between the data that you have. You see the process? Well, if you don't see the process, just do what I tell you to do, and, <laughs> and you'll be in good shape. So spend the next, the next eight minutes or so. And like I said, I want you to have answers to these questions. You might want to get a piece of paper out, pencil, or pen, or some sort of sharp writing implement, and try to answer these questions. And we will put it on pause again. So what the, pro the process now is that the uh, group has gotten back together, and we now have the, the twos together and the ones yeah. together, and people who are examining the reading and the math styles. And what they're doing is sharing the uh, discoveries that they made while looking at the data on their own. So we will be stopping that and then moving on. With, uh, they're they're going to spend some time doing this and then they will uh, get back together and we'll discuss the whole process together. Okay. Um, I'm sorry to report, I think we may have lost the whole first half of this class because of a, a malfunction of this is getting a lot more complicated. I can't wait till I get the iPod, so it'll just be a matter of pushing the button and everything works. Yeah, technology is always like that. Okay, so let's talk about what you did. You went through the process. You had an opportunity to evaluate the um, these these scores from Alpha Elementary School, and I had half of you take a look at the NGE Reading Comprehension scores, and the other half of you were looking at the NGE Math Totals. And what I'd like to do is first of all, um, I'd like to go to each of you <coughs> and you've got the NGE um, math totals, uh, the people that were looking at the math. Could you please tell, tell me or share it with us the, the three main questions that you came up with? Okay, three questions. Why is there such a jump from third to fourth grade? Why there's such a jump from third to fourth grade? Positive right. jump. Positive jump? Yes. And, and tell us what that means. Uh, Third grade, 59% are at or above grade level okay. on the test. And in fourth grade, it's 74. And that's a 15% increase in um, students' proficiency. So that's, that's quite an increase. Okay. And then um, why are the highs so high in fifth grade? So the students that are at or above fifth grade level, there's a lot more who are two three grade levels above fifth grade. Okay. And um, the other one is, why are there so many jumps between the grade levels? I mean, percentages of 59 to 74 to 68. We're dealing with large percentages, and they're moving mm -hmm. you know, in that curve. So why, why is that going on? Why is there that pattern in third grade? Okay. And that was reading you did? Math. Uh, math. math. You did math. Okay. Now, what about reading? What are the three questions you came up with for reading? Which one of you wants to read, uh, identify them? What are the averages per third, fourth, and fifth grade? The averages? Okay, so you didn't. Do, they did some computing. Yeah, but you didn't do. We that. didn't. 
Okay, that wasn't yeah. necessary. And then who are better readers, male or female? Okay. And uh, then we repeated ourselves about it. So <coughs> the new question is, are there, uh, is there a difference in, the, in the, the gap between different grades? Meaning what? Meaning like, uh, is there a, a smaller gap in third graders from the top to the bottom? Or is it as, as, as you go up in grades, is there a bigger gap between your low students and your high students? Okay, that's a good question. So th these, these are issues. Any other questions that came up? So, so so in second grade it was 78 students, and in third grade it was. No, in, in third grade there are 78. I'm sorry. In fourth grade there's 97, and fifth grade there's 113. Okay, so you've got this bubble that's moving through, right? And that means that they've got to change teachers and things like that because every 30 students or 25 students, you need a new teacher. In, in, in most schools, it's the opposite. There's a lot more in kindergarten, and it kind of funnels, it funnels out. Yeah. Okay, so the, these are all issues and, and questions that you have. Now, the interesting thing is, how do we go about finding those answers? And what I'd like to do, uh, and this, this, is, this was the, um, the anticipatory set, where now you've actually you've played around with data, and you've always played around with data, and sometimes you, you, know, you know how to use Excel or you don't know how to use, there's a lot of great um, tricks and things like that that we'll learn later on. Pivot tables is something that just blows my socks off. I mean, it's, it's where I could, within, within a minute, I could take the 11,000 records and turn it into a table this big. I mean, it's, it, and there's a wizard. It, it's great. But that's something we're not going to do this time. What I want to do is I want to talk about the processes and things like that. What is data? What is all, all that about? And um, let me go through. I, I've got a, a couple PowerPoints here that I, I, I want to go through and, and um, use to describe and, and bring forth some of these questions. When we talk about data analysis, we're really talking about a critical component of continuous school improvement planning. And what we want to do is we want to take a look at schools that, that they actually analyze and use their information uh, to make better decisions about what to change. We've been doing a lot of work on that this semester. And we've been doing a lot of thinking about, is it the right thing? How do you do it? What's the difference between getting it and using it and applying it and making changes based upon it? And I'm going to drop this a little bit so I can, I can see Callie, too. And <laughs> I kept going like this. Thinking, oh, there she is. <laughs> um, research shows that schools that understand the needs of their clientele are much more successful in implementing changes and remain much more focused during that implementation. In other words, the idea is that they, the idea that information and analysis work hand in hand in the process that they're doing. Now, the big question is, how do you and others at your school, you know, I mean, it's, it's all about how, how are they making the differences, you know, what do you do to make the differences in the students? What data and strategies are necessary for finding out what it is that you're going to be doing to, to make that difference for those students? And the real question is, what data will help you know how to change and what to change to get better results. Well, <clears throat> the, the book itself actually uh, talks about, you know, learning doesn't happen in isolation. And so what you need to do is you need to take a look at multiple measures. And the types of information that assist with planning for and sustaining systemic school improvement include the demographics, perceptions, student process, and student learning. 
Now, please note, a lot of the things that you, what you were just looking at was student learning, wasn't it? And you were looking a little bit at demographics because you were looking at grade levels. But I didn't hear anybody talking about whether the, what, what the uh, um, ethnicity of the students was or what the gender was of the students. Oh, you, you mentioned something about, about gender, right? Okay, you did mention something about that. But it, it's really important that there are all these different aspects that we need to pay attention to. And what um, Bernhardt has done is they've broken it down into four comprehensive measures that you can use together and, and over time can provi provide a much richer information. Now, here's an interesting uh, topic or uh, quote. It says, because trends have a clear direction, instead of causing turbulence, they actually help reduce it because they have a significant amount of predictability. What does that mean? Any ideas? You, know, you might know what's coming down the road. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes people worry about looking for trends because they're afraid that that might cause, a, well, if you uncover something that isn't good, it may cause a problem because, you know, it's better if we stay in ignorance. But if we look ahead and we take, to take a look at what trends are, and we can use that to help build the predictability of the situation, then we can make those modifications so that things can change. Um, I mean, there's lots of, of uh, when we talk about demographics, we're talking about things such as um, enrollment, attendance, grade level, ethnicity, gender, native language, student backgrounds, and even teacher qualifications. These are all demographics that are important in how we put things together. Now, why are they important? Well, it's because they, they're part of the educational system which we have no control over. That's a real important thing to consider. We have no control over who the, who the students are, where they live, you know, and, and those kinds of demographic things. So those are givens that we need to be able to, to deal with. Um, they assist in creating the context of our schools, in showing uh, change, in understanding the relationship, the, the results of other multiple me measures. So w disaggregation, that's an interesting term. Does anybody know what that means? What's it mean? Huh? Breaking it apart, right. When you aggregate, you put things together. When you disaggregate, you take them apart and you separate them down into the pieces. Like you were talking about male versus female. I mean, age, that's another way of, of disaggregating data. And so it's important that you take a look at this and you realize that demographic, oh, and then prediction. Prediction is very important because what you're doing is you're taking a look at what type of characteristics of students what kinds of, um, based upon the characteristics of students and the history, what kind of outcome they may, may have, or what approaches you can use to better address their needs. So demographics are very important. And it's important to be able to gather demographic data that, that of the students that you're now serving. And it's equally important to be able to communicate it. So if we were to take a look at this, you know, we, we take a look at this pie graph, so, what's the, the major ethnic group here? The white, not Hispanic, is, is the major one. And then secondly, we have Native Asian is, is 31%. So, it's 58%, 31%. And then we talk about American Indian is 5%. And we talk about um, the Pacific Islander isn't even there. Uh, Hispanic is only 4% and black not Hispanic origin is 
And it shows, I mean, it, you, you can throw numbers around, but when you show pictures like this, uh, it makes it clear so you don't have the, the possible misinterpretations that people might have. And the N is 992. What does that mean? N equals 992? Total number. That's how many students we're talking about. When we say it's an N of 992, that's what it is. We're talking about, well, basing upon my N of 1, you know, <laughs> that means that we're basically talking about me or one single person. Um, now, what we have here is this is a snapshot. In other words, at this point, this is how our, our ethnic um, breakdown is. Often it's, it's, it's important to be able to show change and to use that to try to, to predict the future. You want to take a look at it over time. How far back you go depends on your, on your school story. How much has the population changed over time? And when did our school first open its, year, its, its doors? I mean, take a look at these years. So here we're talking about Caucasian. Um, it stayed pretty, pretty steady. Uh, we talk about Hispanic. It's re gone up a little bit. We talk about Asian. It started out uh, in year one, very few, and now we're up to about 300 students out of 900, so that's about a third of the population. Uh, we talk about the Pacific Islander. It's, um, they, they hadn't even been around until year 12. The Filipino, we have one there. So in other words, this is where you're, you're taking a look at those demographics over time. Filipino. I don't know. I don't know why they se separate Filipinos and Asians. Anybody know? Well, Pacific Islander often deals with um, Hawaiian and that group. And Samoan, I mean, yeah, they, they do break them down, but I, I don't know why they, they break down the Filipinos versus uh, the Asians. So let's take a look at perceptions. Now, first, I mean, demographics are things that we can't change because the people are who they are. Perceptions. It says not to understand another person's way of thinking does not make that person confused or wrong. That's an important thing to remember. I mean, people have different perceptions um, because it's, it's really someone's reality. And that's something that you can't ignore. They're important because they tell us what motivates people, our students, our staff, our community. What is it that really motivates them? Um, you can also tell about their satisfaction with the learning environment. But most importantly, it's their perspective. What is it that, that they care about? So when we talk about perceptions, we're talking about motivation, satisfaction, and client perspective. Now here's a way in which these things can be um, uh, can be identified or, or graphed and shown. Uh, here we're, we're looking at a total of 423 students and it's set up so that we have, it's a, a Likert scale that was put here and what they say is that they've got strongly agree, strongly disagree. I belong. Well, the you know, most of the students think that they belong and that they're safe and they're having fun. Now right here though, uh, it doesn't look like it's dropping a little bit as to what kind of choices they have about what they learn. Uh, my teacher treats me with respect. My teacher think, uh, listens to my ideas. Um, students at my school treat me with respect. Well, this person, it's still above three, which means everything's on the agree side. So that's a positive, a positive perspective. And um, this was the average of what they had. When we talk about standard deviations, uh, we're not going to get a lot into um, 
into the statistics and things like that of, of this, but standard deviations, if, if, you're, if you're one standard deviation uh, on either side of, of the average, which is three, one standard deviation is going to include 66% of the population. Two standard deviations is 97% of the population. So it, it's a pretty good deal. And, and down here at the bottom, you say, my family wants me to do well in school. Almost all of them said five. So sound, how would, based upon these responses, how would you characterize the, the neighborhood and the students and the kind of homes and things like that that they live in? What do you think? Kelly? Pretty good. Pretty good. What does that mean? That is, pretty good is not a characterization. Okay, the parents are involved. Anything else? School cares about the students. Anything else? Yami? Um, teacher did a lot of a very good uh, work for the students so that uh, the teacher can meet the expectations of the students. The teacher meets the expectations of the students. Andy? Okay, can you think of anything else? They're just characterizing the, the neighborhood? It looks good. Looks good. What does that mean? That is the combination of all three of those things. With parent support. Parent, good parent support. With the teachers. With the teachers. When you combine it all together, that's my contribution. You're not being very original today. Okay. I think also, so the community, the community supports the. You mean the community? The okay, that they support the school. Okay. Now let's take a look at this one. What we did, or what was done, is it was disaggregated. This one shows that it's it's basically the average for the 423 students. Now here they've disaggregated it, and what they did is they broke it down. And it's a little difficult to see, but they broke it down by grade level. And you'll notice that if it has a, a purple box, they're sixth graders. If it has a red circle, they're first graders. Now let's take a look at this one right here. I have fun learning. Now every, everyone is still over on the agree. It's a matter of how much they agree. You might notice that these, the first graders are just tickled pink about learning. The sixth graders, well, they're, it's okay, but they're not quite as excited about it. This one here, I have choices in what I learn. <laughs> That's really down. The sixth graders say, you're not letting me have any choice, and the students in the uh, first grade still feel that they have some opportunity. But actually, you notice as they're getting older, they're feeling that there's less and less choice. Why do you think that's true? <laughs> they're becoming punks, okay? <laughs> They're adults. They're, they want to make their own decisions. When I'm when I'm six years old, I'll do whatever the teacher wants. You know, you remember, I remember my mom used to always say, you know, you would always come home and you'd say something. You say, well, Mrs. Track said it was true, so it's got to be true. You know. Uh, now we go over here, and students are treated fairly by people on yard duty. The third graders really don't believe that at all. Now it could be they have a yard duty person who really needs some help. <laughs> And the first graders think it's okay. Um, does anybody see anything else here? What about the students are treated fairly by the teachers? Yeah. 
principal. Students are treated fairly by the principal. Where's that? Okay. Okay. First graders are in love with the principal. Uh, down here, the sixth graders aren't quite so hot. There you go. They're starting to get in trouble. Okay. And um, and look at this. Everybody, where it says my family believes I can do well in school, everybody says that their parents believe that they can do that. So it's a very supportive family environment based upon the student's perception. But do you see how that gives you a different perspective from average to disaggregating? And we can even do a deeper analysis. This is third grade student responses compared by ethnicity. And they have it broken down here by, and it's a, it's a bad copy, I'm sorry about that, but you have African American, you have Asian, you have Caucasians, Hispanic. And so here, if we take a look at Caucasians, the Caucasians um, over here, once again, everyone is over, well, actually down here they're not, as to whether people are being treated fairly. We'll get to that in a minute. But with the Caucasians under I belong, the Caucasians believe that they belong less than the African Americans. Um, over here, we talk about students are treated fairly by the people on yard duty. Well, that looks like African Americans, they're down into the I disagree section, whereas the Asians and the, F, the, the Caucasians believe that they are treated um, fairly, or they're, they're, at least, they're at least up there into I kind of agree. But you see how what we're doing, this is called drilling down. We're drilling deeper and deeper. And what it's doing is it's giving us the um, information that we need because when we talk about disaggregating data, we're looking at, it, it is a, a problem finding strategy. It's not a problem solving strategy and that fits into those three stages that, that we read about, right? But when we're disaggregating data, we're finding the problems and then the key is to try to figure out how to address the problems. Any ideas on how, how you might use this data or the information from this to come up with a strategy to try to address the problem? I mean, let's say that we, does anybody identify a problem here? Okay, yard duty, okay. So what would you do? If you saw that and the whole thing's pretty much uh, it's lower than everything else, what would you do about yard duty? Okay, so so you'd go out and, and you, you'd talk to the yard duty people. Okay, what else? What are some other options? You look out and see what, what what they're doing during that time. Okay, so you you do personal observation. Uh huh. Now this is breaking down by ethnicity too. Yeah. Well, maybe there's maybe yeah maybe all the Caucasian kids are playing football and all the Oriental kids or whatever the lowest one maybe they're all playing something very I don't know. Right. <laughs> right. Well, so. but they're they're the ones that don't feel they're being treated fairly. <laughs> so you're right. There, there's a lot of issues here, but what it is is. You, you, this is how you identify what the problem is, and then you can move on and take a look at what the, what the answer is. Okay, now student learning is another one. The way in which a local school assesses student outcomes accurately 
represents the educational outcomes that that school cares about. What does that mean? Kelly? How they assess their students what? I'm sorry. That they're focusing that the things that they're going to really look at for assessing are things they care about? Yeah. Is that what I mean? Does that? Yeah. Okay. So like if, if, if they really need, <laughs> you got IT, the uh, uh, NCLB and they're saying, well, we need, you know, you need to, your reading has to go up, then that would be something you'd really care about, right? Okay, these are our issues. We talk about student learning. And why is it important? Look at all these reasons for why it's important. We talk about evaluating the programs, measuring student proficiency, diagnosing learning problems, making sure students don't fall through the cracks, assess individual or group achievement, certificate or, or graduation. Uh, they guide curriculum development and revision. They improve instruction. They improve accountability. Uh, you can understand which programs are getting the results we want, and we know that if we're achieving our educational outcomes. The important thing is that when we look at education, that in this case, I mean, they're pointing out that the key to, the reason we have education is to see students learn. So does everyone agree with all these pieces? I mean, there's a lot of stuff there. I like the process. The process, what, what, what do you mean? Okay, well, I, I don't think there's any kind of, of, of sequential aspect here. I think these are just items. Does that make sense? Okay. Any, any other comments on it? Okay. I mean, I'd ask to what end to evaluate the program for what? I think it's kind of missing, well, student learning towards what? Okay. Kind of begging that question, what is the ultimate end of this? So... Like it tried not to answer that question. Well, student learning is important. And what we do with it, how do we use this? Unfortunately, that's a shorter list. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's purposeful, I think. Right, right. Avoiding that question. Yeah. So what ultimate end is the student leader going for? Is it for self-actualization? Uh-huh. Because this, this is, this, these are things that we're evaluating. Now, the process that you use after that, remember, what we're doing is we're identifying information, we're analyzing information. What you do with it is step three. Okay, now we talk about school processes. Improvement is not achieved by focusing on results, but uh, by focusing on improving the systems that create the results. That's the fourth one. That's the process thing that you were talking about, Yami. And those are, are, are really quite important. Um, there, we talk about if you want to diagnose, mean, some of the processes that you might be dealing with is how, to, how do we diagnose learning problems? Uh, how do we understand how we get results? You know, I mean, we, we identify what results we get. And also, it'll inform us what we need to do differently. We take a look at each of the processes that are happening in the school and we analyze them. 
as to their, their efficiency and their effectiveness, then we can take a look at ways in which we might improve them. Well, I also think it's also important to tell us what we're doing right, too. That's true. It's also, but the thing is that we're, if we take a look at the, at the, the last one, we're talking about processes and it talks about what we're doing right and how we can improve. And, that, that's, and, and that's the whole thing about evaluation. Assessment is, identi- is getting the information. Evaluation is trying to make sense out of that information. And so, and if you don't do assessment, did I get that right? Ass- assessment is when you get the information. Evaluation is when you I- identify what you're made out of that. If you don't do that kind of assessment and evaluation, you can't pat yourself on the back for doing it right. And here's a real important point. And that is that if you, if you look at this, when we take a look at, you know, they talk about a circle of, of plan, implement, evaluate, improve. You've all seen this circle, right? That you come up with a plan and then you implement the plan, then you evaluate how well you did it, then you revise it and make it better, and you just keep going around. And the problem is that if you, if you're, if you don't have a target for what you're going to do, you're going to end up with what we call random acts of improvement. This is when you're focused. These are focused acts of improvement. And what you do is when you do this process, you have these guiding principles. You have your vision, your mission, your purpose, your values and beliefs and standards. In other words, we talk about the things that care, that a, a school or an organization cares about are the things that they're going to assess and the things they're going to look at to improve. So it's important when we're putting this together that we, we do work towards getting a focused active improvement. Now, one of the things that... I gave you, or I'm going to give you right now. This is actually, you'll find this in your book as well. But I, I want you to take a look at that, that front diagram. And this front diagram is the multiple measures of data that is in the book. I'm not sure exactly what page it is in the book. It's on page 11 in the book. There you go, page 11 in the book. And... This is actually, it's actually more complicated than I really wanted to use for this, um, this demo, but we're going to go into the other PowerPoint presentation. Excuse me. The other PowerPoint presentation, which is called Why Are Data Important? And I want to review some things, and that has to do with when we talk about measures of data. Remember those four. We talk about demographics, perceptions, student learning, and school process. Now, when we talk about measures of data, we're talking about ways in which we're going to, to identify the type of data that we need. These four are really good ones to have, but the problem is that there's, they, they actually came up with 10 different levels of ways in which you can analyze this data. And it's a, or, a combinations of all these sorts of things. And Real quickly, it works like this. And I, I was trying to figure out some sort of graphic. They didn't really have a good... I mean, you've got this Venn diagram, which is a graphic. But I was trying to figure out some kind of great graphic to, to organize this, but I, I wasn't able to do it. But we talk about level one through six here, and we, we talk about snapshots of measures. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go through these. Uh, I'm just going to talk about the list right now, and then I'm going to go through and talk about each one of them. And then I'm going to have you do a little bit of uh, some, some more activities. Okay, snapshots of measures. Uh, that's, that's where you simply take a look at what your population is this week, like what we saw with, with that, that chart, okay? 
We talk about measures over time. We saw that other chart where we saw the population over a period of 12 years. That's the same measure. That's the ethnographic measure, but it's over time, right? It's at one variable out of that measure. Now, when we talk about two or more variables within the measure, okay, if we take a look at ethnographic again, we, we could take a look at population or um, ethnicity, and we could take a look at gender. Those would be two variables out of that group, right? And then we could also take a look at those two variables over time. We can take a look at in, uh, an intersection of two types of measures. That would be something like demographics and um, uh, student learning. If you want to take a look at ethnicity and how that affect and what kind of success do the students have on standardized tests or classroom tests or, or, or whatever. We can also talk about looking at that and the changes of that, that over time. Here we talk about intersections of three measures. Now you could take three of these. We could talk about student learning, school processes, and demographics. So in other words, taking a look at their background, taking a look at how well they do, and what processes, the school processes, are they going through to get these results? Um, and we also can take a look at that over time. If you're putting together a, a program and, and you're trying new results, you can see if things are improving based upon what you're doing. And finally, you have the intersection of all four. You also include their perceptions. The perceptions of the students on the, on the process. You take a look at the staff, the, the faculty. And then you take a look at that all over time. So here, here we have the multiple measure of data. Um, if you want to take a look at, once again, we have the, the, the demographics, which is enrollment, attendance, grade le level, ethnicity, perceptions, questionnaires, interviews, focus groups. This is how we can get that data. Um, student learning, GPA, standardized tests, standards assessment, and school process, which include what kind of educational programs do we have, what kind of instruction and assessment strategies are we using? How do these fit in? So what you're going to do is take a snapshot as to what's happening right now. When you take the ITBS and you, and you take a look at it, you're taking a snapshot for that year. That's what this would be. Now, if you were to take that ITBS, or let, let, let's take a look at, at the demographics. We'll go through this. I'll get down to that ITBS again. We take a look at demographics. We're looking at changing enrollment over five years. You were talking about um, taking a look at the population of the different grade levels. That's actually a couple different um, measures, or a couple different variables. But if we were to take a look at enrollment over five years, we saw that, that chart that talked about changes in ethnicity over 12 years. That's taking a measure and looking at it over time. We weren't looking at grade level or anything like that. We were simply looking at, at the school population. Perceptions. What kind, are, are, are people thinking more highly of the program we have over the last five years? Or how about student learning? Are they learning more? Are they doing better on the tests? And then changes in uh, school programs. What kind of changes are we having? And once again, we're taking a look at those measures. Now we get in a little bit more complicated. We talk about relationships between attendance and gender, <coughs> attendance and ethnicity. You know, what, is there some sort of relationship between those two? About perceptions. Now we take a look at, at perceptions of the staff, students, and faculty on the learning environment. 
or they're learning. Uh, now, this is an interesting one. Is there a consistency between the standardized test scores and the teacher assigned grades? Now, that's a real interesting point because I know of one school who uses, um, uh, what is it, natural reading or, or they're, they're, there's, they, they have a process that they teach about reading or using for English and it doesn't correlate with the ITBS. Whole language, that's what it is. Thank you. It's called whole language. And they use whole language for, for learning, or for, you know, for the early years. The problem is that the ITVS expects that at fourth grade they're going to be at a certain level and they don't care about whole language. They don't care if you're developmentally ready. What this means is that they don't do well on the fourth grade ITVS. And, you know, at some point, like fifth grade, it catches in and they, they do better. But, you know, these are, these are correlations you need to take a look at for student learning. And then the processes, you know, do you have um, the same sort of assessment process with math and science? Now, it doesn't mean you're going to ask the same questions. But when you take a look at how are, you, how are we assessing math, how are we assessing science, and if we do any kind of comparison, we say, well, geez, why is it our, math, our, our, our kids in, math, in fifth grade are all at the fifth grade level of math, and in science, they're all at the seventh grade? You know, what, what's, what's the difference? We want to take a look. These are just looking at processes to see if there's any kind of continuity with that. Now we talk about doing the same thing, two or more variables over time. How are things changing? I don't need to go through each of those. Um, and then we get into intersections. Intersections are where we take a look at these four measures and we see how they correlate with one another or how they affect each other. Do students who attend school every day perform better on the state assessment than students who miss more than five days per month? Now, I'm guessing that's kind of a given. <laughs> Unless you're not doing much at school, right? I mean, that could also be an issue. But here, we're, what are the two? We were talking about demographics, which has to do with attendance, is demographics. And then we're also talking about student learning. So those are two different... Uh, measures. How long does it take for a non-English speaking student to be redesignated as a fluent English speaker? Okay, we talk about demographics being that they're non-English speaking, and then we talk about student performance, I mean student programs. That's kind of a correlation there. And then are there differences in how students enroll or enrolled in different programs perceive the learning environment? So we talk about perceptions and student programs. So if we have, we found with those kids that were on different uh, grade levels that they had different perceptions of the learning environment, didn't they? So that's when we're talking about me merging measures. Now, here's what I want you to do. Is for the next, the, the rest of them, six through ten, I want you to pair up with somebody you haven't paired up with tonight. Is there any, who, who haven't you paired up with yet tonight? Yeah. Yaomi. Okay, you pair up with Yaomi and you two guys pair up. And I want you to come up with examples of these five. Just one example for each. Okay? Go, go, go. He certainly was. I'll double the Okay, you've had a wonderful opportunity to go through. You're, you're talking again, Andrew. Uh, you've had a wonderful opportunity to go through and identify your, your levels. And um, what we're going to do is we're going to start out with level six. And I really do want to get these on so we can share these with, with, with Sandra and Kathy. And that is that intersection of two measures over time. So, General, um, 
gentleman and, and woman. Please tell me, uh, what, what did you come up with? Uh, well, we looked at like the grade level and student learning and looking at it over, like you can look at it in a year process and like what, how students are improving through the different years or you can look at it as in even one year, how they were when they first came in to how they were when they ended up doing different progress throughout one year. So you're, you're saying that you're going to take a look at their improvement in their grades on different grade levels. Right? Yeah. O over a period of time? Yeah. Okay. Good. And what'd you come up with, gentlemen? Um, we're going to look at whether a kid participates in the after school program and how well they perform over time. Okay, now the after school program is what? School Which process. A school, school process? process? Okay. And the other one is? Uh, student learning. Student learning. Student learning. Okay. Now tell me what you did for number seven. That way I don't have to move back and forth quite so much. I don't know. It's, it's his turn now. We're going to oh. swap off. You get to do the next one, Yami. Uh, we had uh, after-school program based Again. on student learning, and we're going to throw in a little demographic pie in there with uh, socioeconomic status. So after-school program, student learning, and socioeconomic. Okay. Mm -hmm. Great. And then over here, what did you do with number seven? Number seven, we do with the enrollment and uh, what is the program of the school to increase the students' uh, enrollment? And then we can uh, observe about the abilities of the students. So enrollment, what does enrollment mean? Enrollment, uh, like the students enroll for this year, for last year, or last two, three, or five years. Okay, the, the enrollment one, which of those four groups would you call it? Uh, we just uh, would like to look at the enrollment of the school. Okay, so the number, the number of students. The number of the, the students. The number of students, okay. So you've got the number of students, and you want to look at what? Uh, and we look at the program of school to support the, the increasing of the number. Okay, so how, how well do you have the program? And what's mm -hmm. the third one? And the third one is uh, the influence of those programs into students' learning. We look at the abilities of the students. So it's, 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 a, it's a, the program versus the how many students are coming and how well they're doing. Yes. Okay. That, that's going to be a... Oh, I need the other one, too. You did uh, seven, eight... Let's see, that was seven. Do eight, please. Do eight? Well, you could just look at what we did for seven and look at it over time. Over a period of time. Oh, you're, gonna, you're catching on to the trick here, okay? <laughs> they caught, you caught the pattern there. Okay, that's pretty smart. Okay, you guys get to do the next two. We're on level nine and ten. Yeah, let's do nine and ten. Nine and ten. So we have an after-school program, how will they achieve on a test, assessment, their SES, and then we're going to give them an app. We're going to give them an attitude survey. Okay. And see if their attitude improves since they're getting more help and they're better, you know, achieving more. Okay. And how would you do number ten? We just add time. So add time, meaning what? Do it over five or six years. Or whatever. So, so what are you going to do? You're going to do. We're going to we're going to get these kids involved in after school, after school sports. And we're also going to get them. You know, they're going to take the standardized. Test. And they're going to take the standardized test to assess their abilities. And we're going to keep track of those kids that come from poor households. Okay, and, and their household SES. Okay. And then we're going to give them an attitude and see if their attitudes improve. 
proving. See how, how they if they care. If they give it. Yeah. Okay. This is all this wonderful intervention. And then you're going to do that whole thing over time. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what'd you guys come up with for your last one or two? Uh, number nine, like uh, students attendance, and then uh, what is the influence into the students' attitude mm -hmm. and students' learning, mm -hmm. and school process to promote positive uh, input or positive yeah, attitude. Uh, and then you're going to do the whole thing over, for number 10, you'll do the whole thing over time. Okay. So we, we found out that there, there was a system here. That's good. That's good. Now, here's, here's the thing. What you have, um, if you look at the, the handout that I gave you, yes, yes, the handout that I gave you, and you'll notice that it has what it calls intersection activities. And I'm going to give you a little bit extra homework. I know this is terrible, but you know, you're in the flow. I can tell you're in the flow, and I want, I want you to take a look at this. That first one, it says demographics by student learning. In fact, I'm going to turn on the lights so I don't have to put on my glasses. Here we go. Demographics by student learning. That's the intersection. Those are the two, um, the two activities or the, the two measures that are being intersected. Is there a relationship between attendance and standardized test results? That was one that we were, we were looking at already, right? Now, the question next to it is, what kind of data do you need? In this case, we want the number of days attended and the state standardized test results for each student. Can anyone think of another deal with, which deals with demographics and student learning? You, you've mentioned a few of them. So what would, what would be another question? Now, and, and please note, what I was showing you on, on the, on the um, PowerPoint were actually statements looking for relationships. I did that because it uses fewer words and it fit better. Um, but what you really are is you're, looking, you're asking questions. So can any of you come up with a question that would be dealing with demographics and student learning? Okay, and what would that be? Is there a relationship between socioeconomic status and performance on a standardized... Is there a relationship between socioeconomic status and performance on a standardized test? Okay, so there's your question. Mm -hmm. Now, what kind of data do you need? I would need student outcomes. Student outcomes... From the standardized test. From the standardized test. So it wouldn't really be outcomes, it would be scores, correct? Performance. Performance, sure. okay. Student performance on the standardized test, and what would the other piece of data be? Okay, so you would use free and reduced lunch list because that would then give you the number of students who are considered in lower socioeconomic, okay? And that is the indicator that the schools use, okay? So here's what I'd like you to do. Is I'd like you, by the time you get here next time, so we can have, use this as the basis for discussion, I would like you to, number one, read chapter two. Hello, read chapter two. And then read the, the chapter three, if that's the next one. I think that's the next one. No, we have article analysis. Oh, article analysis. That's right. We have article analysis. Yes, we have, you're right. We have Sandra and Kathy are going to be doing article analysis, so make sure you get that done. So we don't have to do this What I do want you to do is I want you to answer these questions. Yes, I'm throwing this out to you. And Sandra and Kathy, I'll be getting it to you electronically somehow. So... Huh? They're already there, huh? <laughs> they're all <laughs> I hadn't noticed that. Okay. So, okay, so they're all set and ready to go for you. So here's the deal, gang. 
What I want you to do is on each of these, I want you to come up with two questions. On each, and then I want you to come up with the data that's necessary for each of those two questions. And then we'll use it. I'll triple it if you keep talking like that. <laughs> no, I hadn't given you the assignment yet. Okay, what we're going to do is on each of these, I, you've already done a lot of the work, for God's sakes. Quit griping. If you'd read chapter 2 by this time, it would have been even easier. Okay, so what I want you to do is I want you to go through and I want you to come up with two questions in each of these squares in the middle column. And then I would like you to come up with the data. You know, what is the data that you would use on this? Two questions. Now, under, under, here, under here in this box, I want two questions. There's another box below it. I want two questions. And then over here on this box, I want to have the data for the first question that you need and the qu data for the second question that you need. Does that make sense? Okay. Good. Okay, well, if there's no more questions, just think about this. You won't have to be working on your, your uh, personal database this week. What's wrong? I'm getting your. I'm going to be collecting your, your papers because I'm very proud that you did all this work and, and got it all together. Is it stapled? Good. And they're stapled too. Boy, you're so yep. so much further along than Ed Media. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Why do I have four of these? Five of these? Oh. Oh. Okay. What's that? Okay. And so finally, we have the, the databases, and I hope everyone has a good evening. Good night. <laughs>